Yeah, I had my original unit that I used in Harrisburg and all the other shows. Harrisburg's a nine-day show. It's kind of like a marathon. Last year, over the nine days, I did uh, 2,506 falls over the nine days. And that same unit I've used for about two and a half years, I ended up doing over 8,600 falls with that wow. one unit. Now, I do replace the webbing every 5,000 falls and the rollers about every 500 falls. But the cam, the top and bottom plates... All the bolts, they're original. The average hunter should never wear one out. Big Buck Registries Deer Hunting Podcast, episode number 237. Wayne and Shauna Bogardis, killing the fall and suspension trauma. The tree stand wingman. Support for the Big Buck Registry and the Deer Hunt Podcast comes from Hunter's Blend Coffee. Awaken your hunt with coffee purchased directly from farmers around the world, creating jobs and alleviating poverty. Hunter's Blend Coffee, we're hunters too. Black Ash Outdoor Products reduce your risk of tree stand suspension trauma with a tree stand wingman, the tree stand emergency descender system. The Enforcer, take control of your odor footprint with your personal ozone generator. Covert scouting cameras, remote cameras for hunting, wildlife, and security. The Horny Buck Seed Gummy, it's all about the freshest seed. Morse's Sporting Goods, a full line of sporting goods without the sales tax. And Big Buck Merch. You can get cool, high-quality Big Buck t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and hoodies. And show support for this podcast by visiting www.bigbuckregistry.com forward slash M-E-R-C-H. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. This is Cameron Cole, the average Joe blue collar bow hunter, and you're listening to my number one favorite podcast of all time, Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. Hey, this is Dr. Ken Nordberg. You're listening to my favorite podcast on the internet. Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. Hi, this is Shane Mahoney from Conservation Visions Incorporated, and I'm listening now to one of my favorite hunting podcasts, Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, fellow predators. My name is Jay, and thank you for tuning in to the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. For Dusty Phillips and Jim Keller and the entire staff here at the Big Buck Registry, welcome to this week's show. There are a couple things I'd like you to do for us if you could. If you would, please check us out on iTunes. Subscribe and leave us a review. With your help, we're going to try and push this show up the iTunes charts. I know we have a lot of listeners out there and I need you to take some action. I need you to leave a review and subscribe to the show. If you do subscribe, that'll give you access and notification each and every week that a new show is released. You can also access this show in its entirety on YouTube, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Google Play. It's all right there for you to access on demand at your fingertips. Regarding the harness program, we have an ample supply of harnesses to give away from our volunteer donors. If you're in need of a full body harness, please send an email to j at bigbuckregistry.com. Tree stand safety is a hot topic, and it should be. Studies show that tree stand accidents are by far the leader in serious injury or death to a hunter. There have been some major advancements in safety through the years compared to the days when the hunter would limb climb a tree into a wooden built tree stand. 
The harness has also come a long way since the early days. The attachment straps aren't as limiting. Devices like the Lifeline now keeps us attached to the tree, but suspension trauma, should you slip, is still a major concern. Wayne Bogardis has invented a device that's a game changer and addresses all these issues. The device is lightweight, it attaches easily to a tree or a lifeline, supports a hunter of the larger or smaller variety, works with any harness, can be used over and over, is affordable, and will safely drop you to the ground should you fall. Here's the story of the tree stand wingman. We'll get to our entire interview with Wayne and Shauna Bogardis of the tree stand wingman in just one moment. But before we do, let's turn to Jim Keller for the deer news. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the deer news. Our first story this week, are Maine moose shaking deadly ticks? This story is from the Outdoor News website. Maine biologists say that there are signs that the number of winter ticks on moose is declining. The Portland Press Herald reports that biologists are optimistic that the state will issue a similar number of hunting permits in 2018 as in 2017. State Wildlife Division Director Judy Camuso said that recent checks of moose showed the fewest number of winter ticks in the last four years. The parasite has helped decimate moose numbers in the northeast in recent years. Through studies of collared moose, biologists have been studying what causes moose to die. Department of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife Biologists will recommend the total number of moose hunting permits in March. Camuso told the department's advisory council that Maine's biologists won't know the full extent of moose mortality caused by winter ticks until May. Have you ever seen a vampire deer? This story is from the Clarion Ledger website and was reported by Brian Broom. When James Underhill from Caledonia, Mississippi, found a dead buck on the side of the road, it didn't seem all that special. But when he began cleaning the skull to mount it, he discovered something very unusual. What Underhill saw was an odd pair of teeth. They were located in the upper jaw about halfway between the molars and the front of the mouth. It was something that perplexed him. Looking for more information about the deer, which are sometimes referred to as vampire deer, he called a Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks officer. The officer said it's pretty much like finding a doe with antlers, Underhill said. He said he gets calls about two or three a year. It's rare, but it does happen. Mark Harrington of Backwood Skullmount said he found one in much the same manner recently. Harrington has been doing skull mounts for 12 years, and in that time, he said he's found a bullet in a deer's head with no visible wound, a deer with significant skull trauma that had healed, and one without bone in the roof of its mouth, but never upper canine teeth. Steve Demarius of the Mississippi State University Deer Lab explained the fang-like teeth. There was a study in New York on 18,000 white-tailed deer, and they found one out of 1,000 have them. You have to look at 1,000 white-tailed deer skulls to find it, typically. Scientists believe that early species of deer had fangs that were used for fighting, and over hundreds of thousands of years, they developed antlers for fighting, and the fangs disappeared. Delaware hunting bills await action. This story is from the Milford Beacon and was written by Christopher Kersey. Bills that could be considered by the Delaware General Assembly would legalize airbows and limit liability for donated deer meat. Two state legislators have sponsored a bill to legalize airbows for hunting deer. Now illegal in Delaware, an airbow fires arrows using compressed air rather than pulling back strings. Representative Jeff Spiegelman, a Republican from Clayton, is the primary sponsor of House Bill 157, which allows the use of airbows for hunting deer in place of a shotgun during any shotgun deer season, according to the bill's synopsis. The bill cleared the Agriculture Committee last year, and it's been placed on ready list for voting by the full House. 
Senator Bruce Ennis, Democrat from Smyrna, is the primary sponsor of Senate Bill 117, which allows a pellet gun, airbow, and most other air guns to be possessed and utilized for hunting in Delaware, the bill said. The bill was approved by the Senate June 20, 2017, by 20 votes in favor. The House hasn't acted. The State Department of Natural Resources and Environmental Control supports legalization of airbows for hunting deer to expand hunting opportunities and to better manage Delaware's robust deer population, said a statement from the agency. An organization online called Airbow Hunting provides a description of the weapon, its use, and beneficial attributes. The group is also on Facebook. The airbow is not a bow and it's not a gun, but instead uses an air rifle platform to fire arrows at high rates of speed. One new model on the market fires 26-inch arrows at 450 feet per second. The other legislation sponsored by Spiegelman is about people donating deer meat to organizations without fear of liability if something is wrong with the meat. The bill, which also makes the butchers immune from liability, is still being reviewed by the Health and Human Development Committee, and no vote has been taken by the House. It's been amended twice. Butchers under the contract with the department to process donated deer into ground meat are required by state law to meet specified liability limits. Some butchers have chosen not to participate in the program because of the cost of beating the higher liability limits. Spiegelman represents House District 11, which covers southwestern Newcastle County and northwestern Kent County from the Middleton area to Townsend, Hartley, and Marydell. Ennis represents Senatorial District 14, which stretches from the Chesapeake and Delaware Canal and including most of the Middletown area to just north of Dover. For any of our listeners around Michigan, I will be at the Michigan Deer and Turkey Expo at the Lansing Center on February 17th. I will, of course, be sporting the stylish Big Buck Registry hoodie, so please stop me and say hi if you see me. That concludes this week's edition of the Big Buck Registry's Deer News. For links to the stories featured this week, please check our show notes at www.bigbuckregistry.com. If you have any ideas for future topics or have any questions about any of these topics, please email me at jim at bigbuckregistry.com. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Jim Keller with the Deer News. Thanks to Jim Keller for the Deer News. Without further ado, here is Wayne and Shauna Bogardis of the Tree Stand Wingman. Wayne and Shauna Bogardis, welcome to the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. How are you, my friends? Very good, thank you. Thanks for having us. I'm very interested to hear more about your product. I love your product. Obviously, we use it, and it's a fascinating invention. You know how you look at a product, and you just, the simplicity of it is is in front of you, but you're like, why didn't I think of that? But it works, and it works really well, because I've tested it, and I'm not a small guy. It it made me feel great good in the in the stand it got my mind off of that whole aspect of falling out of the tree stand that is always in the back of my head not that it shouldn't be but it it made me focus more on the hunt that's what it came down to that's one of the biggest benefits of this prop product besides the fact that it's going to keep you safe from a fall right is the fact that it's going to allow you to enjoy your hunt because you can concentrate on hunting and not worry about whether you're going to fall out of the stand or not so, well, I can't wait to dig in here and find out who you guys are, where you're from, how this whole thing developed. Talk about the intricacies of the product itself. Hear a good deer story here, Wayne, yeah. or or Shauna, either one, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's her story, or both. We could <laughs> well, tell. We could tell both. I think if you if you're looking to find out about the product, the interesting story there is that Wayne invented this thing. Yeah. But he worked on it for six months, and I never knew that he was <laughs> even thinking about this thing. I thought he was building a new climbing tree stand. Ah. So he had 
plans in the shop and I'd seen blueprints for that. And I thought that's what he was doing, but okay. that's not what he was doing. All right, let's, let's get into that story in a second. Let's talk about you guys. Where, where are you from and, and where did you grow up? Well, I actually grew up in Black Ash, Pennsylvania, which is just a little dot on the road. There's okay. really nothing there. And uh, I grew up there pretty much my whole life till we moved to Segertown after we got married. Uh, but I'm a journeyman tool and die maker. I own a tool and die shop, and that's kind of where my background comes from, uh, engineering and tool and design. So uh, Shauna and I met. Actually, she... I was working in a tool shop. I was selling parts in a tool shop, and that's where we met. Um, he brought his dad in, who was also a tool maker, and he wanted a clock spring for a mill. Mm. And they came in and they asked for a clock spring and I turned around and I grabbed one off the shelf and I set the box on the counter and his dad picked it up and started opening the, up the box and Wayne said you don't have to do that she knows the right part so <laughs> so he kind of got some brownie points for that but gotcha um, okay and then, and then we started dating after that and uh, I think our one of our first dates was going spotting deer <laughs> Well, that's a good first yeah. day, Wayne. Good yes, job. Start them out right. Yeah. <laughs> Testing it. Make sure yeah. that's going to be the one. Yeah, see oh, if she's going to work or not. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to make it all the way through without Wayne getting cold cocked here. Yeah. <laughs> can you reach him? Wouldn't Wouldn't you be oh, yeah, day? I can reach him. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. I've got a long reach, so. <laughs> so Black Ash, that's where you grew up, is the, is the basis for the name of your, yeah. your ultimate company. The business, yep. yes. Yep. And Black Ash makes the tree stand wingman. Yes, that's correct. Gotcha. All right. So tell me about what your hunting early, early life. Did you have a, a mentor or somebody take you hunting? Did you get into it because somebody taught you or you self-taught? Well, hunting for me was just something you always were going to do. I mean, my parents, my mom and dad both hunted. Uh, every one of us kids hunted. And uh, the first buck I got when I was 14, that fed the family for three months. No kidding. You know, and that's kind of where it all started, you know. Respect the wildlife, enjoy the hunting, but it's about feeding your family. And, you know, and that was really important to me to, yeah. to have seen that. And we had a family friend that was really instrumental in taking us hunting. And uh, just I've always hunted. I had uncles that hunted in Canada for moose, and they'd come back. And the one story was they had a moose in the back of the, back of the uh, camper, and the horns were hanging out the back, and they showed up at my mom and dad's house. And I remember going out and looking at that and seeing that big moose my uncle had got. And, you know, that kind of started wanting to, okay. when I got older, to be able to do that. That's, right. That story is there that stick with you for a lifetime. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Was safety ever a factor back then? No. And I was telling a guy here a while ago about my first tree stand. It was a little uh, platform. I think it was a TSS yeah. Barely big enough for your feet, no harness, no nothing. And I used to hunt 30, 40 feet in the air. And back then, I didn't know any different. You know, I didn't know I should be uh, afraid of that. And uh, so as I've got more and more stands, I had a summit, and it came with a harness. And I think it was in the fall of uh, 2013 when I first come up with we needed something better. Uh, in a story in our paper, a kid in the Midwest had fallen like 20 years old. And he was injured, and he was on life support, and his sister made the decision to take him off, and he passed away. Mm -hmm. Well, like Shauna said, I was working on a prototype for a climbing tree stand. And I got to thinking, well, I don't want to bring a product out if people can you know, die while using it. So I started looking into what was out there. And the more research I did, the more I was like, well, there's this lapse in safety, you know, like the harness, if you don't 
it's attached and you fall into that you need to get out of that harness to get to the ground and i didn't really realize that you you know suspension trauma over five minutes is a big deal half an hour it could be fatal right uh the more i looked into it i seen that there was a gap so i started working on the project uh my first invention was had like three and and these are offset the one we have now with a cam on it my original one had three vertical things and i thought well how fast could the webbing go through there it can go pretty fast it was like a vertical zip line Mm -hmm. so it went pretty fast and then i worked on it for about six months and i couldn't quite get it right and i put it away for a while and then uh i think about five six months later i took it back up and i got the cam figured out and how that cam would work on there and how you know how to set for various weights and how it worked at such a a vast okay so gotcha so when i i had had a climber and I still have it. It was, a, it was an API climber. And, mm-hmm. I, and when I was younger, and I would climb like crazy. As long as you could find the right tree, you could put yeah. this climber. And it got me up really high. And I've, I killed bucks and, and other deer w- using this mobile device, you know, where I could go wherever they were, which changed. So I, if I could just find the sign, it set up, and it worked. But oftentimes, I think I got so involved in the moment that, I might have had my harness on, but it wasn't attached to the tree kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I get up there and and eventually I might connect it. But if I think there's something coming through right away, that's kind of, that always became the last piece. So I put that away for quite a while. I stopped climbing. I had kids like, wait a minute, I really need to think about this thing again. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the chains got rusty. I stopped climbing and I would use ladder stands. And even then I would, it would, there was no mechanism to relieve yourself of suspension trauma exactly early on and then they came out with a device that they you know your your leg leg harness where you can move your legs to keep blood circulating but right. that still could keep you suspended with your product all that is forgiven yep not you you it's got enough tension so that it will keep you up there and all you have to do is use your fingertips yeah to keep you from falling any further or you could just lower yourself to the ground mm-hmm. and my life and i have to thank you has changed because now I'm climbing again. Not only am I climbing with my, my old climber, but now I've gone e- even into small um, hang-on stands that I use with my sticks. My whole world has, of climbing trees has been opened up again. Right. And I'm talking to you from the son of a telephone lineman who <laughs> used to climb telephone poles daily, and I was always, that's the, be- that's the most amazing feat I think I've ever seen. That looks fun. Yeah. So I love being in trees again. It's great. Yeah. Well... For me, I grew up with a hunting family as well. Um, My dad and my brother were hunters Mm -hmm. all through my youth. And, of course, I've always been horse crazy. So I did go out. My dad was a coon hunter, and we would go out with him at night and, and follow the dogs and that. And I did do a little bit of deer hunting. But what happened was I wound up married to a city man and um, didn't do much in the outdoors. How dare you? I know. How what were you thinking? How silly, huh? <laughs> how dare you marry a city man? Well, I wound up a single mother. And one night, my ex-husband called up and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm cooking supper. And he said, what are you making? And I said, well, we're having steak. And he said, where are you getting the money to buy steaks? And I said, I went deer hunting and killed a deer. And he said, oh, so now you're Rambo. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, whatever works. You should have said no. You're just jello. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
that's and this was a little before i met wayne so uh that's what my thing was i hunted to put food on the table absolutely right but during that time i dated several different fellas and we went out hunting together on different occasions and i would be in trees without a harness Mm -hmm. without sometimes without a stand i mean i can remember actually sitting on a tree limb with a bow Mm. because i had taken up archery at that point too and now as i look back i thought all those guys liked me and now i i I think maybe they were trying to kill me (laughs) because there's no way i would climb now without a harness without a wingman Right. right and so when when that came out i i was i was amazed at how silly i had been and how lucky i had been because right. i never fell right so right yeah, for sure and you know the past three years i've spent a lot of time talking to hunters and families of hunters and it's amazing everybody has a story of somebody who fell and some of them didn't make it you know it's 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 been kind of upsetting for me particularly at times because Wayne does demonstrations so he's up in the air and he's doing the falls and I talk to the people on the ground and I hear the stories of you know my son is a quadriplegic my brother died and somehow you have a little feeling of responsibility oh if they'd only had a wingman they'd be okay today right right you know, so that's why it's so important for us to get this out there. Right. You know, we, we just, we know we can help so many people enjoy their hunts and stay safe. Right. So that's, that's been the biggest challenge in starting a business. Let's, let's go to a little bit of the, the blueprint and how, how this all developed. Uh, even go back to like conceptualizing why though the why like what why i mean it's kind of obvious in a sense where you're trying to make things safe safer but how, how did you hide the the, the concept from shauna for so long well i'm a pretty busy guy i mean i have a tool shop where i'm working doing that a lot and blueprints are nothing to have them laying around okay but, uh, yeah i just trial and error working on different things you know trying to make it simple but something that was reliable and would always work mm-hmm. so like I said, about a year worth of that, and then we did some patent work, and uh, we're still going through a little bit of that, but uh, just uh, had to try it in all different kinds of weather, all kinds of situations, okay. all these different falls, uh, to make sure we had yeah. something here that could keep people safe. Is there, there have been precursors to this mm-hmm. concept. This is yeah. not a, People have been yeah. trying different things sure. for a while, mm-hmm. but they're either too expensive, too bulky. Um, malfunctioning. Well, that's the one thing I was going to say is that the blueprint for the original tree stand wingman doesn't really look all that different from the prints that he used for the parts that he was really? making for the okay. automotive industry. That's why I <laughs> that's didn't. Slick. That's why I didn't really pick up on that this was anything that okay. wasn't a job for a customer. Yeah. Right. You know. So, I mean, obviously, when he was working on the uh, concept for the stand. It had a little right. um, design in it that identified that to me as a stand. But the other part, the the plates for the wingman, didn't stand out to me. So, And I do all the, the books and the paperwork for his tool shop. So the only clue would have been that these didn't go to any job number. Mm. But he keeps 
so many papers around. Right. I, I, I just never noticed that. Gotcha. So that's the thing. And then apparently he was testing it in the barn when I wasn't in the barn. So <laughs> that's how he got all of that by me for right. so long. So, so the fact that you walked back in the house every night. Yeah. Was a testament to hey things seem to be going well in yeah. research and development. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you um, the the way that I found out about this product was after I interviewed John Lauk from TMA. Mm-hmm. I you know the that TMA sticker you see it everywhere, but I I didn't think anybody really knew what it was for the most part. So I was like, what is this sticker and what does it mean? And I researched it some. I found John at the end of that end of that interview. He said to me. Because I asked a question, I said, what are, what are some of the innovative products for tree stand safety that you find appealing and interesting that may or may not be TMA approved or certified yet? Mm-hmm. He said, the one that I think is probably the best is the one from Black Ash Outdoor Products. Because that has more potential than probably any of the products that we've seen out there. Mm-hmm. And, but he also said that it wasn't TMA certified. And to clarify, that it, it doesn't have to be. And he said he wasn't sure why you would necessarily because you're the only one that has this this particular kind of style. You want to speak to some of the TMA stuff and and why you might or might not want to have that sticker on there? Yeah, John, as a matter of fact, I talked to John yesterday, and he's looking at developing standards for an auto descender. Okay. And once they have that, then the tree stand wingman can be compliant. We basically went and tested it to all the standards that the harnesses have to do. Mm-hmm. And on two of the standards, they require that it holds you for 30 seconds. But because the wingman automatically lowers you to the ground, we can't comply with that. Right. But it did lower the dummy both times to the ground safely, and which was stated in the testing. So... It's just a matter of the wording, and we have to decide what kind of tests we're going to run with it uh, to be compliant. Uh, the T- TMA just uh, puts out industry standards, right. and you either comply with them or not. So It's along the lines of OSHA. Right. They, they don't actually have a certification for a product, right. but you can find standards that your product would fit with and comply to those standards and right. we've done that with a few of the um, OSHA standards so far right. as well right. so yep. the TMA is kind of the same in that respect that they are an, an, a group that recommends or approves but they don't certify anything right. so. and, and as I learned in co- that conversation is that you have the TMA group which is more or less a, a group of peers that hold each other accountable mm-hmm. and you don't have to belong to that group it's not it's not required but those that do have had tree stands and other products that have been passed through a, a rigorous set of standards that is sent out to a separate entity to do the testing yes and on top of that you still have the government which is different than TMA completely they're not a government organization you right. have the consumer product safety organization so any products that are out there that for for sale for profit businesses that are selling products have to meet some kind of standards anyway mm-hmm. so but because our product is so unique, right. there aren't standards for it right. in any of these arenas right, right now because everybody else wants to hold you up in the air. Right. We want to get you down to the ground. Right, so. right. That's well put. Yeah, I mean, if you were having to slip and fall and knock yourself out on a metal tree stand, the wingman's going to lower you to the ground mm-hmm. yeah. exactly. safely. Yeah. And if it lets you down and you lay sideways on the ground and you come back to consciousness, you're not still hanging a tree stand 10 minutes later. Yeah. 15 minutes later, 
It's uh, very unique. Are you going to stick with the hunting history? Or are you going to focus on other aspects of this product well, being useful? Yeah, it's, it's always going to be a hunting product. Okay. That's near and dear to my heart. That's what mm-hmm. it was developed for. We are definitely going to be doing other avenues with it as far as industrial and things like that we're looking into. Uh, so there is going to be other versions. Uh, we're th- thinking about linemen and stuff mm-hmm. like that, too. Anybody in a bucket, you know, cherry picker, boom, anything boom like trucks. boom trucks. I, I had thought anything about that because, I, I mean, the horror stories I used to hear from my dad and his coworkers. Getting about, stuck up in one. Yeah. Yeah, getting well, stuck in a, a the, bucket. Yeah. The, the scary part for the lineman is with a lineman's belt, if you have an accident and start to fall, the first thing that hits the pole is your face. Right. Mm-hmm. It pulls you into the pole. Pulls you right into the pole. Right. Whereas with the, the wingman... You, you can roll away from it and be, mm-hmm. you know. Even a limp body would, you know, yeah. be away from it and Absolutely. your face. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You know, so. I, I, I laughed at that. I, I got a farming background, and we used to lower grain leg motors down into a, a basement pit. Yeah. If I had this, I'd be utilizing it to lower <laughs> that motor into the pit. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it's all, oftentimes you got a rope. You're trying to hold your hands. You put a 200-pound motor down the pit. Yeah. yeah well, you would have e- done it. It was easy. And you could have had two guys down there to catch it once it lowered it. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. there's all there's different aspects of the tree thing. Well, we and the other thing is, if you think about silos, work with silos right. and that, we can make the webbing any length. Right. So you've got 75-foot silo. Yep. We could get you a wingman yeah, that's going to bring that's, you all the way right. down. Somebody that's working on putting up a grain bin or working mm-hmm. on a grain leg. There's all, you know, there's all different aspects of this product. Absolutely. Right? If, if you was going up a 100-foot grain leg, you had a 110-foot line. Yeah. It would take you all the way down. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a story sense. that uh, my dad told me he was one of his coworkers had fallen off of one of the telephone ladders climbing <laughs> up the pole. And he fell and uh, landed on a spike. It went all the way through his body, impaled yeah. him, and came out his back. The guy lived. Oh, That's wow. amazing. And went back to work. <laughs> That's the crazy part. That's amazing. Yeah. But that never would have happened if he had had some device like this that just slowly lowered him down. Instead, all that action happening so fast, you can't yeah. make a decision. No. Wayne had fun second. with a screw-in step once. Yeah. Yeah. I had a limb break, and I was screwing steps going up. And luckily, when the limb broke... I got a hold of the stand and swung out, and I come back in and got scratched up, you know, so. Yeah, they said those uh, climb, them uh, screw-in stand steps are, uh, what do they call them, gutters? Yeah. Gutters. They're yeah. dangerous. We've, gotcha. heard, we've heard yeah. stories of that yeah. that I couldn't even repeat. Yeah, you no. know, it just, just makes you cringe when you hear it, you know, because right, you can sure. just visually yeah. see it happening. Yeah. Can we uh, talk about the product itself a little bit more and, and describe in detail how it's maybe – can't go into patents or anything like that. I'm not, that's what I'm trying to get at. What does it look like? How does it operate? Uh, what are the mechanisms behind the, the, the safety fall that that you conceptually put into it and the way it actually functions today? Probably one of the first standards I uh, came across was a fireman's fall. That requires on a 10-foot free fall that you have 15 pounds of protection for every pound of weight that you're going to have on the unit. So everything on the wingman's designed, figuring a, a normal man for the max on the tree stands was like 300 pounds. So I needed 4,500 pounds of protection. So the webbing and everything in there is designed to withstand that. And during the ocean ANSI testing, uh, it was over 5,200 pounds before failure. So Hmm. we had that in there. And then we went to the TMA to have it tested. Uh, The first test was a 15 foot or 52 inch free fall with a 220 pound dummy. And when they dropped it, it came down and lowered it to the ground. And Devin, the guy doing the testing, was over there looking at the harness. And I said, well, Devin, we're testing the wingman, not the harness. And he said, well, that's a sewn-over lanyard. He said, those should have ripped out. 
those were up at 500 pounds of force. So we went to the digital readout that he had there, and it was listing 387 pounds of force. So a 220-pound dummy, two to one would be 400 pounds. So we're designed for 15 to one protection, but we're only generating two to one. So there's all that added benefit there of, of the product. You know, we're not anywhere near max capacity for what this product can do. Very good. But, you know, like I said, I'm hunting with this too, so I'd rather have it extra strong and extra Absolutely. sturdy than on the margins. Yep, that makes sense. Well, uh, and what we're finding out too is that a lot of our hunters are a little bit more than 300 pounds. The husky hunters. Yeah. <laughs> the big guys. The big guys. But Beefy. The th- <laughs> I'm sticking with husky. Husky. <laughs> but if you've got a stand and a harness that are going to hold you, we know we're going to get you down, okay? Right. You know, it's it's just making sure that you have that stand that can support you yeah. and and take care of you. We'll get you down as long as they can keep you up. Yeah. So. What did your workshop look like when you're screwing things in the plates and had webbing all over the place? Was it a mess? Or are you a neat guy? Uh, no, not, not really a neat guy. Uh, it was part design. I would design something to go out, and machine it up. I'd test it and say, well, you know, what would I do better? Uh, the cam was kind of the. I guess the special recipe there that actually pulled everything together. Uh, when I came up with that, that kind of everything fit together and just a matter of tweaking things. Uh, but once that all came together, everything just, just worked fine with okay. it. So. All right. Very cool. When it's you look at Wayne's shop, you kind of have to think of a mad scientist because <laughs> that's how things look. Right. Well, that's he, know, he, knows he knows where everything is, yep. yeah. but I that. couldn't find anything in yeah, there. That, that, okay. That's okay until something happens to Wayne. Yeah. Right. Right. At this point, I have copies of all the blueprints and everything. As as disorganized as he is, I try to be. Oh, you got to have some. I mean, I I try to keep copies of everything. I go to grease a piece of equipment. I've got more stuff laying around than I ever would need. Yeah. But that's Mm -hmm. the way it is sometimes. Right. Yeah. What What are some of the other statistics that you've heard out there? I know there was an article recently, like what the Wall Street Journal or something. Yeah, the Wall Street. Or no, it was the New York Times. New York Times. New York Times came out and they were talking about tree stand falls as the silent killer of the hunting industry. And they were talking about how many people had fallen in New York and how it's pretty much glossed over most of the time. People don't really talk about it. I mean, it's like a big dirty secret that nobody really wants to tell. Nobody wants to know that this the sport that everyone loves so much can actually be fatal without ever involving a weapon. You know, there's a, a big deal now about, you know, gun injuries or archery injuries, things like that. But they don't really talk about what happens if you fall out of a tree stand or if your equipment fails for some reason. Right. You know? what, what, what made you actually get into the safety side of the hunting? Where did it spark from? I guess just looking into it and seeing the need, you know, when, when you see the actually the number of statistics, you know, I seen one that between like 2000, 2007, there was 46,000 injuries in tree stand accidents. I mean, that's, that's a big problem. Right. So just just maybe an article explaining how many accidents were sparked your interest of maybe trying to save some lives in the hunting industry. Exactly. Very good. Did you, did you, the minute you read that, you say, I know what I can do. 
or did no it was more like that's a problem and somebody needs to to yeah. fix it you okay. know and the more i looked into it the more gaps i seen in it and i looked at products that were out there and how they worked and you know one-time use thing well how do you test that how do you know it's going to work that when i really need it right. it's going to work and so those kind of kind of dismissed those and then you know that all kind of attributed this product would have to do this this and this It'd have to be reusable. Yeah, it had to be reusable. Right. It had to be, you know, hold this much weight. And, it, you know, I went down like a checklist, but it had to be simplistic, too, where anybody could use it. It's not right. rocket science. And like I said, during a fall at any time, if you grab the webbing, you can stop yourself. So you had the ability to control the fall. You're not just at the mercy of yeah. in any of the units that were self-contained. It was that way. If you fall in any one of those, there's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. If it's coming fast, you're just going to go fast. Right. At any time, I can stop my fall. Right. So this was just uh, finding a problem and trying to solve it the best way to try and fix okay. all the problems that yep. were out there. So, so the, the product itself is made of some heavy-duty metal steel plating. Well, the plates are 6061 aluminum, okay. and they're anodized. Gotcha. So that's your airplanes are made out of aluminum. Gotcha. So it's that was the lightweight part of it. And then they're anodized, which, you know, anodizing is the second hardest material, no, you know, second to diamond. Gotcha. Okay. So that gives it the surface strength. Yeah. Uh, the webbing, like I said, it's uh, polyester, heavy-duty, marine-grade quality. Yep. So it's going to get wet. And that was another thing, you know, well, a couple of them said, well, this can't get wet. I'm like, if I'm hunting with it, it's going to get wet. Right. You know, it's just... He actually tested it one day in our back backyard. We have a CN set up, and he tested it. It was so cold and so windy. I said, I will watch you from the living room window. If you have a problem, I'll come out. Maybe. But Maybe. He, did, he did two or three jumps, and then he came back in. And I said, well, did you have any problems with it? And he said, no, but my hands were sticking to the rungs of the ladder, so I couldn't right. couldn't keep testing. Right. So. right. It gets cold, you're getting sweaty, yeah. and you, now you've got a problem. Well, it was so cold that his hands were literally freezing like oh you your were losing your, yes, your like sticking to your tongue them. to the flagpole right. type yeah. of right. thing right. so that's what he was into gotcha. at that point and then the screws that go on the middle those some some are what stainless steel some of them are yeah, or maybe two, they all are there's two different models okay. the, there are, uh, there's eight shoulder bolts on the, on the unit itself and then there's one adjustment bolt uh, the shoulder bolts just perform the box and in there there's four rollers in there and those rollers are allowed to spin mm -hmm. And you control with your adjustment bolt, you can control how fast those spin. And then the cam actually starts to belay the system to slow it down. Yep. So that's basically how it works. And that just controls the rate of fall that the webbing goes through the unit. Right. And you're hooked to the unit. Right. So. And there's some adjustment, adjustments that you make for different weights. I think what we talked about, if you're going to have one for a kid, you want to have right. a special tune it for a kid. Right. When people order them right now, typically we can find out if they have a special order for either a longer strap or a lower weight or a higher weight. And we actually test them. Um, you know, Wayne will make the modification to the unit for a youth model. And we include the bolt and the roller that you would take out so that as the child grows, they can actually put that bolt back into the unit, okay. and the unit will actually grow with the child. Gotcha. So, did you have any trouble finding the materials to make your 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 straps and everything? No, uh, I tried several different brands, several different kinds. Uh, we're buying it from the mills, so you're getting 300 foot. And the one came in a Gaylord. It was a big box. I don't know. It was like 1,500 feet of solid 
webbing gotcha. you know and then we cut them to 30 40 foot they come standard 30 foot but we can cut whatever length and sew it uh and you know we just told them what we wanted we wanted the marine gray quality polyester gotcha. and because okay. uh, mm-hmm. those those had the break weights that we wanted those were all five thousand and above right so, so. Once, you, once you got your materials and you got this thing built what what's the brutal testing that you've put this wingman through all right let's take a coffee break and when we come back We'll talk more with Wayne and Shauna Bogardis, and we'll get into how they tested rigorously the tree stand wingman. Folks, I want to tell you about one of the best cups of coffee I've had in a long time. We met up with the Hunter's Blend coffee guys at the ATA show in January. One of them is a longtime listener of the BBR, and Hunter's Blend coffee is now our new sponsor. You know, coffee makes the hunting world go round, or so it seems. Whether you're heading out the back door to your favorite blind or jumping in the truck for a long drive, Coffee is what got you up and at it. Now there's Hunter's Blend Coffee, brought to you by hunters who care about and support the lifestyle we all love. Hunter's Blend Coffee is purchased directly from small family farms in Nicaragua and northern Thailand and is changing the lives of many in these communities. Not bad for a cup of coffee. Hunter's Blend Coffee is smooth, rich, and will awaken you any time of the day. Go to huntersblendcoffee.com and check it out and order some for yourself. You'll be glad you did. And be sure to ask for it at your local hunting store. If they don't carry it, send them our way. Hunters Blend Coffee. We're hunters too. And now back to our interview with Wayne and Shauna Bogardis of the Tree Stand Wingman. Can you walk us through some of the tests that you've done outdoors and how many times you've used one particular unit? Yeah, I had my original unit that I used in Harrisburg and all the other shows. Harrisburg's a nine-day show. It's kind of like a marathon. Mm-hmm. And last year, over the nine days, I did uh, 2,506 falls over the nine days. Right. So when he says uh, Harrisburg, that's the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, go see the tree stand wingman there. Yeah. yeah we're scheduled but, uh, to be there again this year. So very good. Yeah, it's February there. 3rd to the 12th, and we're in the Archery Hall, booth number 1,200. Perfect. Very good. And that same unit I've used for about two and a half years, I ended up doing over 8,600 falls with that one unit. Now, I do replace the webbing every 5,000 falls in it, and the rollers about every 500 falls. Okay. But the cam, the top and bottom plates, all the bolts, they're original. So the average hunter should never wear one out. Right. You know, and we, we manufacture the straps, so even if they, they need a new strap, they can always send it back. We can redo it, reassemble it, set f- it for their weight, and send it back. I figure if you wear one out and you're the average hunter, yeah, you're, pretty, you're sleeping too much in a tree stand. Yeah, you're pretty clumsy. <laughs> Either that you or maybe you should hunt from the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very good. Uh, so uh, Jim brought up a point uh, earlier. He was walking in, Jim Keller is sitting in with our Deer News. Uh, he, uh, he brought a point that you had this unit at a uh, particular Ohio show. The Ohio Deer and Turkey Expo, and, and how many jumps did you do there in a couple of days? I think that was like a two and a half, three day show, and I think I was it was five hundred. Yeah, it was a little over five hundred. Five hundred jumps, two days. The unit held up strong. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, very good. That uh, super interesting. That uh, been test and tuned for that many jumps. Uh, not something that any hunter ever would. You know, I, I don't want to do one jump out of it, let alone yeah. eight thousand. Well, that's uh, you know, like at the Great American. Guys would come by and want to know how many I'd done. 
So we just kept a little tally board there. Right. And there, it was kind of funny because there'd be like groups of guys, six or seven guys here, and they just stand there and watch. And they're watching to see if I'm switching the harnesses or what I'm doing, you know, because right. I can't possibly be doing that many falls with one unit. And right. I am, you know, just one fall after the other. So right. That's very good. That's something that uh, separates the wingman from the other harnesses out there. There's just nothing like it. So one question you kind of that I have that you kind of touched on is: um, Is there any kind of expiration or recommended maintenance on it? Like similar to some of the safety belts that you get or the safety harnesses, they after a certain point they want you to replace parts. Is there any maintenance that you've come up with? Yeah, as far as the wingman, as far as you know, that's basically for liability's sake, and we we do the same thing. We've every four years we recommend that they send them back, and we can put new webbing in it if they want to upgrade. The other thing about it is if you bought, like, number two off the assembly line three years ago and you wanted a Pro Series this year, you could send that back, and I could send you your model back, a Pro Series. So everything going forward, if we make any adjustments, they're going to be upgradable. So you'll be able to have the latest and greatest just paying, you know, the difference in the price of them. Gotcha. So nobody's stuck with last year's model. You'll always be able to get your latest and greatest. Uh, if the webbing's showing signs of wear or fatigue, you definitely want to, you know. I do recommend that, like, three times a year I take mine out, my personal one that I hunt with, and I do a few falls. I'll put it up in a set of rafters, go up like six feet, hold on to the webbing, and I'll do two or three falls and make sure everything's working good. I look it over, and if I was hunting with it and I had a serious fall where it actually, you know, it deployed and lowered you to the ground, you want to look everything over and make sure that everything's, you know, the way well, it should be. you want to check all your equipment after each, yeah. Yeah. each use, you know. You know, and this is the most important thing. I mean, everybody likes their $1,000 bows and how fast they go, but when it comes right down to it, this is the most important. Your harness and this are the two most important things you carry in the woods. Right. So have, have, you, have you done any testing with uh, ozone and on, and on the harness nylon? Yeah, I have an industrial heavy-duty uh, ozone generator that works with a wire EDM, and it, it takes the mold out of the water in the in the wire EDM, and I use that on my clothes, and I also use that on my wingman in the harness, and I have not noticed anything, and that's the first I've heard about it, but we can definitely do more testing on that. Yeah, with just a uh, large volume of ozone, it seems to be... Uh, destroying uh, elasticity and the, yeah. the elastic of certain products. Okay, we weren't sure if it had yeah, played the, into polyester. The, or the polyester, like the marine grade polyester. I don't assume that it would. You know, UV doesn't affect it at all. Right. I've had um, straps that we've left outdoors mm-hmm. for. Well, I actually tie my miniature horses on um, some leftover ends of of the webbing right. and those straps stay outdoors 24 right. seven through rain, snow, everything. And they haven't degraded a right. bit. Good. So, um, I don't really, it's, I don't think it's an issue. I think it's more of the elastics. Uh, yeah. For, I don't know. Oh, everything has an elastic in, it in some fashion, a lot of hunting clothes I, or things yeah, like and that. And I don't think it would have any effect on the metal. Right. No. No, I wouldn't no, think the no metal would, would degrade so. at all. What I noticed about your straps, and I mean, you know, some sometimes you get the straps that come with like a ladder stand. That you're supposed to wrap the straps around the back of the tree. I've had those degrade in a year, but your stuff is is different than it's, that. It's heavier weight. Heavier weight. It's heavier break weight. More durable. It's made of some other product that is not part of the standard stuff. And, and why on earth that stuff would degrade in a year on the mm-hmm. standard ladder stand package? Mm-hmm. I have no idea, but. 
This is different stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's the type of material that it's manufactured from. We actually, her son got stuck in Erie in the big snow there a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I had in my truck was two of the straps you're talking about yeah. off of a stand I took from my deer stand. I hooked them up and tried to pull his car out. They snapped Snap instantly. instantly. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, wow. it, it snapped before any, yeah. any of the weight <laughs> of the car actually yeah. got yeah. on it. I moved it, a stand this year from a stand I put up last year, and I went to pull it up. Uh, at the new spot or to secure it and just pulling them securely snap snap both of them snap yeah like how is that a safety product well the thing <laughs> is with straps and things on stands i think every year to two years those should be replaced no, yeah. right. they just right. they just degrade too much i yeah, mean it's not worth your life i mean if you got the wingman on you though you're still hunt yeah. them out till they break yeah well, descending device. One, I'm of the, kidding. one of the things we looked at and one of the initial designs Wayne had was some straps that you could actually connect the wingman to the ladders as you were going up. Yep. But then we did research on the ladders, and those rungs will not withstand a fall. Right. A fall. Right. They will not. The rung would have pulled away. So that's that. why we went back directly to the tree right. or, or to a lifeline. Yep. And so you have to remember that we use the maximum standards that we can find but a lot of the manufactured stuff that's out there uses Mm -hmm. less stringent standards so i mean and that's that's an interesting point because if you use this product it can be used in three different ways or or thereabouts that i've seen and maybe more you guys can weigh in here if you're using a climber Mm -hmm. or if you're using sticks right you can wrap the the harness around the tree with the loop and then the, the product itself comes through the top loop yeah the tree stand becomes your tree strap itself it's your tree strap yep. it's the strap that you would normally have strapped on and initially i was like i don't know if this if, if it gets too loose is it going to fall no it's solid yeah if you put it on right i put yep. it on wrong initially <laughs> i don't get it so i had to I had to go play with it and practice it mm-hmm. once i would recommend practicing yeah it absolutely because yeah. as simple as it is <laughs> well you know a fairly seasoned tree climber mm-hmm. messed it up the first time but it was, once i got it it was perfect and i was it was so strong and so secure and it slides easily up the tree as you go i noticed yeah like there's no no give there's no there's no like obstruction it, it at you you gotta get it to the right height for the tree you're on or the right width, width. yeah but then it's it, nice and easiest move your stand up slide it up you stand up slide it up and that it just all the way up exactly the other way that i've seen it used and i have used my myself is as you said with a lifeline type apparatus right where you have a, a line from the top that you've already secured all the way down the bottom that you probably use your tree stand wingman to put it there in the beginning but now you click onto that so even if you fall even if you get stuck the lifeline is there to keep you from falling to the ground but with this, it will slowly, yeah. right. you, you exactly. can control it. Right. So yeah, on the, uh, on the lifeline part, when I get up to the top of the stand, I'll actually take sometimes and run a tree strap through the loop, unhook the prusik knot, and then I can take that loop and put it to the far side. Right. Reason being for that, if something happens in the stand or on your climbing sticks, that way you're going to fall away from everything. It'll pull you away and you'll go down the opposite side so you're not falling down into the ladder mm-hmm. or into the sticks. Right. And actually, my one of my original webbing actually had the tree strap with one of them tree strap connections yep and because we could go down and so light and weight i was worried about a kid 
going to a tree and putting that in backwards and it just pulled back out when he, if the, he fell the into it. Yep. Is what he's so with about. this, once you put that through that loop and you start climbing, you're hooked up. You're hooked up. You know, you're attached. That way I figured if a kid in right. a climber, he's going to be hooked up the whole time he comes up and down. There's no way yep. to get out of it. Right. So that bottom falls out, you're still okay. Yeah, yep. you can take your top and bounce down yep. you get to the yep. bottom and go back yep. up. Yeah, and, and, you know, so. This prevents a lot of things. So you're supposed to attach your bottom to your top, so that if there is, if it does, if it slips on the tree, that bottom isn't falling to the bottom of the tree. And sure. You, because you have no way to go get it with a tree stand. You actually have a way to go get it yes, <laughs> safely. Absolutely. Uh, that that would be a, one of the worst case scenarios because you not that should never fall to the ground. You're supposed to attach the mm-hmm. top to the bottom of the climber. Right. Um, the the apparatus itself it has one hook. Eyelet, right? Yeah. Where you put your carabiner onto that from your right. uh, your harness of, and it works with all kinds of harnesses, obviously, because if the harness has a, a, a strap to mm-hmm. a carabiner, they can hook onto the eyelet. Exactly, and you know, because there isn't the impact force that you would normally have in a fall, just with your harness hooked to the tree, your harnesses get less wear and are more. Um, Durable. efficient and, and durable a lot of tree stands will come with i call them spaghetti harnesses yes they're just tiny little straps and all of that and when we went down to um, have testing done we took several of those harnesses with us and the tester looked at them and said i don't usually like to use those harnesses because a lot of times they'll cause a failure and then right. i'll have to fail you right and we said, well, we're not really worried about it. You know, I, he told us to bring five units down and five different harnesses. And um, during the testing, I basically stood there and rethreaded the same one over and over while right. he was preparing the dummies because right. we just never had any trouble with it. Right. And he was completely amazed at that. Yep. In fact, to the, when we got to the fifth test, which was the Superman fall for the 300-pound dummy, he said, I really want you to use a different harness and a different wingman. And we said, well, okay. Yeah. And right. we had no problem with that right. either. But and I could see where that could be a problem. As good as the, the wingman is, it's still you have that other component that you're not in charge of right the hunter is to make sure that the rest of your safety equipment is still in good working order and it's important too that when you're practicing with your wingman you get the opportunity to make sure that your safety harness is adjusted properly for you right so right i get a lot of guys telling me that they can't get their harnesses over their hunting gear they have too many clothes on um the fall rescue device that the little strap that you're supposed to put your foot in, mm-hmm. most of those are attached to the back of harnesses. Correct. And I've had a lot of guys tell me, I, once I get all my gear on, I can't reach it yeah. if it's mm. back there. I have to take it out and put it in my pocket. And it, I said, well, you know, you can take it out and put it in your pocket, but if you have a wingman, you won't need it. Right. So. Right. Right. Makes sense. Yep. How much does it weigh? One pound, six ounces. That's crazy. One That's pound, with six the bag. ounces. Right. Yeah. With the bag. With the bag. Mm-hmm. See that? And 30 feet of webbing. One pound is worth its weight in gold. I mean, that's, that's absolutely. What's your what life worth? You know? your, right, right, right. It's selfish if right. you don't have uh, right. some kind of falling device. It doesn't add any weight to your hunt. Mm-hmm. And we're always, as hunters, you're always trying to be a minimalist in a lot of ways. If you've got a long way to go, 
or if, I mean, it depends on where you're going, I guess. But right. where I hunt, you know, sometimes I, I go for a long walk. All right, Jay, we've talked about the tree stand week, man. We've got to get into a whitetail hunt of some okay. sort. I'm, I'm, I'm itching. I'm so itching to get into a whitetail hunt. Do we have? Tell you, me where we're going. Who's up? Who, who's going on a hunt with give us? Give me yours. You're dying to well, tell. Well, <laughs> as, uh, as I said before. Gentleman Wayne is. Yeah, he's a gentleman. I don't That's, have any good stories. He wasn't a gentleman in this story, though. Um, I hunted. Before I met Wayne. Okay, so we're, we're, we're in... Uh, Pennsylvania. We're in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, okay. Um, and he had me up in a nice little ladder stand that was leaned up a against... A Nice tr- straight tree. It, it was a wooden stand. And, and he let me use his fancy gun because... You know, we were just dating then. I was still and, trying to impress And he was still trying, was still trying to impress me. So, and of course, I hadn't got onto this business that... It put, must have worked, though. Put, That's the thing. It worked. Up, putting yeah. me up in the air like without any uh, a safety harness was really not good for me. But at any rate, he's, it, we went out first morning and... What was uh, the weather like? Tell me what the weather conditions were like. It was cold. Uh, it was three or four inches of snow. It, yeah, but it was so midwinter. It, mid-winter. Was, it yeah. was clear that day, though. It, there was not not a lot of wind, but the tree swayed a little bit. Really? You know, just a little bit. The fancy gun it must the, have been very good. She remembered this whole hunt. The, yeah. the, the fancy gun. That <laughs> I was worried about that because right. I knew if I did anything to this gun, you know, that was the end of this relationship. Yep. But I sat there for probably. 15, 20 minutes. I mean, Wayne had left. He went, he was going to some other stand. So he just, he just hauls you out there, place. drops you off he and says, here you go. He dropped me off and said, get up okay. there and right. sit down and, and I'm going to go, I'll be over here. You know, well, I thought over here wasn't too far away. Right. So I'd sat there about 20 minutes and I heard something and I kind of stood up on the stand and I looked and from behind me, there was a nice little eight point buck just trotting down through. He wasn't in any particular hurry, and I had plenty of time to get on him, and I made the shot. So, what, what would you think? Okay, well, I'm going to stop you right there for just a second. Would you think, yeah, he's going to hear me shoot? He's just right down the I did think that. He's going to hear I, I me because he's just right over there somewhere. He's just right over there. He's going to be great. <laughs> he's going to hear me, and he's going to be so impressed because I killed this deer. Right. And, you know, I, I made the shot, and when I made the shot, that tree stand just wobbled around and i swear it went a foot down under my feet i mean right. and i thought oh my god thank god i did not drop this gun right Good you know all i was worried about was i didn't drop the gun so not- at this point at this point you just shot a deer you've got a tree stand that's very unsturdy uh-huh. and you've got uh your potentially future husband's fanciest gun he owns because he's courting you and trying to get you to to stick with him so he hands you the finest Yep. So where do you go after after you've shot and you well, used the stand? I, I watched this deer, and he went right down to the little logging road that was only about 50 feet away from him, piled up right there. Oh, man, that's perfect. So I sat there for a few minutes, because I know better than to get out of the stand right. too fast. And I sat there, and I watched, and he was down. He wasn't going any. So I thought, oh, cool. I'll just go down there, and I'll sit by him, because one of the first deer that I ever shot was taken away from me by another hunter in the woods very sad and so i was concerned that i had finally killed a buck that i thought was pretty decent Mm -hmm. you know nowadays i wouldn't you know he's he's just a young fella but i thought it was a pretty decent buck i thought it was going to impress my boyfriend (laughs) and so i was all shaky and i got down out of the stand and i went over to the buck and i got my tag out and i filled it all out and got it attached to the antler and everything i can see the excitement in your hands and i was i was just i was so excited i was like dang 
it's it's early first thing I shot this deer and so I sat there and I waited we didn't have cell phones or anything with us and I thought he'll be he'll he'll come you know and, and he'll go get the truck and we'll get the deer and we'll get everything done here you know and so I waited and I waited and he didn't come and he didn't come well pretty soon his brother came up over the hill with his little truck I flagged him down and I said, Russell, I said, I don't know where Wayne is. I said, I shot this deer. And so he helped me and we got it, got it out and got it up in the back of the pickup. Did you ever consider dating the brother at this point? (laughs) (laughs) Well, fine rifle or not on that day. (laughs) So it kind of gets worse, though, because he, he takes me in his truck up to where Wayne's truck was and so we get the deer transferred over and I sit and I wait and I wait and I wait and it's probably noon he finally comes walking out and I said why didn't you come when I shot and he said I thought you missed you only Uh, shot once uh, (laughs) truth is where I was was probably 300 yards back and I had a climber in PA and gun season if you climb down the tree every time you heard a shot you'd never get up a tree right I guess that makes sense so let's get into it so this is uh, earlier in in hunting times before all this technology was available what what kind of hunting clothes was you in them particular years what did you use for hunting attire back then uh, let me see. I think it was sweatpants over long underwear and jeans. That makes and sense. Yes. And I'm assuming today that you're more modernized on your camouflage and using modern clothing. Well, actually, <laughs> I don't really do a lot of hunting okay. anymore. Well, that's okay. Um, after we got married and started the farm and cut you and off of that, huh? Got all the horses. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. killed the only deer we had. So. Right. I yeah. get it. I get it. <laughs> well, yeah, I did get some dirty looks because I was a newcomer in the area right. and it's like, what's this girl doing coming in here shooting our deer? Yeah, <laughs> very good. So I, I thought, well, maybe I better just let the boys do it. Do you remember uh, what caliber was the rifle that you were shooting? Seven mag. Weatherby mag. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, very it good. It was the Alaskan model with Bold muscle action? break. Oh, yeah. Bold action. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, you talked about a hunt that maybe you had a deer taken from you. Mm-hmm. Can we touch a little bit into that just because just it sparked my curiosity and it seems like it would be a story that, that it, it's meaningful to you because I can see the, the feelings you had, the emotion you had when you talked about that. That was your very first deer. Well, it, actually, that one wasn't my first deer. It okay. was the second one. Um, the first deer I ever shot somebody else had shot the jaw off of it it was a button buck gotcha okay and so i did i i dispatched that one and nobody came and took it it wasn't wasn't real big but i was hunting on some private property and i was in a stand uh, kind of a wooden walk-up stand and i was using again a borrowed gun i was a single mother at the time and i was out hunting for meat right and i saw this deer come through and he he passed in front of me, and I shot, and I knew I hit him. So, again, I know you're not supposed to get down and pressure them, so I waited. I did not hear another shot. So I finally got down out of the stand, and I went to where I followed the tracks to where the deer was piled up, and there was a guy there already gutting him. No kidding. And he said, this is my deer. He said, I, I was shooting out of this stand over here. Well, the stand was on the opposite side. And I looked at the deer as it laid there, and the hole in the deer on my side was small, and the hole on his side was large. Hmm. And I don't think that's the way ballistics work. Right. So I knew it was my deer. Right. 
but mm. he was a lot bigger than me and right. he had a knife in his hand and I just said this isn't worth it so right. I walked away and when I talked to the landowner later they said this will be dealt with but I never gotcha. I never had any further that's interesting it's sad that sometimes that it works out that way and yeah there's not really much you can do about that situation no. it just more or less it it uh, starts a bigger fire if you try to fight it absolutely I mean I think if it was uh, some kind of record buck or a trophy buck it'd be but it wasn't very good so. um get in the wayne story yeah let's touch a little bit in the story from wayne and uh, we'll, we'll go let's go with one of your memorable hunts uh i'm not sure a lot of my hunts uh i'm basically always by myself most of the time uh well tell them about your fun trip to alaska doesn't have to be a whitetail nope. hunt does it Absolutely South Dakota not. One. well you could tell them that one that's definitely interesting <laughs> We went out, I don't, can't remember what year, it was about 10 years ago, we went out to South Dakota and Wyoming turkey hunting. And we're after Merriam's, we'd got Rio Grande, Rio's and uh, Eastern birds. And so we were going to go out there and me and my brother, we flew out there, rented a vehicle and we were going to go hunting. And we got birds the first day in South Dakota, so we we're going to hunt Wyoming mm-hmm. the second and third, third day. <coughs> Excuse me. So we get up in the morning, we head out this mountain pass, and we're driving out in Wyoming in the Black Hills, and we come to this little river, this little gate in the thing, and there was two snowmobile tracks going out through there. So I'm thinking, well, He's the driving a Subaru Outback, yeah. okay. mind you. Okay. Very nice. Subaru Outback. It was, a, was an all-wheel drive, so to speak. Right. So we take these snowmobile tracks out through there and uh, go out probably four or five miles, and then the two tracks crossed. Well, the Subaru Outback slid down into the ditch. So there we were stuck at about noon with no way out. You couldn't find more skinny pedal? <laughs> no, no, we were, we were right on the frame, so we tried to dig uh. it out for like an hour. Well, then we seen on the map that it showed, you know, like another three or four miles, we were going to get onto another road. So we walked until, oh, I don't know, it was about 3.30, and we still hadn't come to that road. And my brother wanted to keep going. I'm like, no, I know in three hours at dark, we can be back to the car. I don't know in three hours if we can be picked up at dark. So there was probably about a foot of snow in that area. So we hiked back to the car and we kept, you know, turning it on, letting it warm up and then all night. Well, in the morning we dug out enough that it froze up. So we got back up onto the tracks and then got out of there like noon the next day. What I didn't know was two of my other buddies were back at camp, and we didn't come back. Meanwhile, back in Pennsylvania at 2 o'clock in the morning, Shauna gets a phone call. That I was missing, and they were having the patrol out looking for me. So I didn't know any of this was going on. I didn't think my friends even cared that we weren't back. So we were heading back up, and I seen some turkeys going up this hillside with my brother he's like no i gotta go back and we gotta get a shower and this and that so will you take the vehicle come back at noon i'm going hunting i didn't fly out here you know not to hunt so he left 10 o'clock i get a phone call well we found wayne and and russell and i said well that's wonderful let me talk to wayne well he's not here right now (laughs) (laughs) i said when he comes back tell him to call me (laughs) So, but I worried from two o'clock in the morning till six o'clock the next day because I didn't know what happened. Right, you know, right. so she had visions of me being strapped to a vehicle, halt, being hauled back. You know, I didn't know whether his brother shot him. I didn't know whether you know they were right. in an avalanche. I didn't know you they were, were getting trying... limited details. Yeah, very limited, <laughs> and and I didn't know that they were trying to drive a car on a snowmobile path in the middle of the woods. So. Not my greatest moment. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's told, interesting. I've told them all really that from now on, and if he gets lost, not to call me unless they have a body. <laughs> so that makes sense. Yeah. Jay, you want to launch off the ten rapid fire yeah, questions? I, I think that ten we'll rapid fire questions. Do it. Uh, we'll ask a question, maybe start with you to answer, and then go okay. to Wayne. Okay. And maybe the next question will go into uh, Wayne and then you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna. I don't have to look at the first one. What's your number one hunting tip? My number one hunting tip? Yep. Sit still. It's a great one. Mine would be probably patience and persistence. Very good. All right. Is there one item? I'm trying to remember these off my head just so I can do this. Is there one item that you cannot hunt without? Wayne, we're going to start with you because it seems like you're the most recent to be hunting. There's something you can't go to the woods without? It's my wingman. Perfect. I will not climb a tree. If I get to the tree and I don't have it, I'm going back home. Very I good. I won't climb. If you were still hunting, would there be one item that you couldn't go without? Well, I definitely would have a wingman if I was going to be in a tree, but I would say a knife. Very good. Very good. All right. What's your, uh, what's your biggest pet peeve in life? Something that just drives you bonkers. Something that drives me bonkers. Hearing the same story over and over and over again, whether it's in the, the media or on the news or yeah. just from people. Just You've already heard that one. Yeah, Very exactly. Good. Wayne, your biggest pet peeve. I don't know as I have one. I don't. I can tell you what his is. What's that? Okay. My wife moving things. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> Putting things away. That's a given. It yeah. is completely disorganized. Have shop. you ever ever right. seen that post that says I, have I don't usually where I know where it's I at. Don't where it's usually at. lose things, it. but if I do, my wife moved it. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. You're that, right. That's it. Very good, Wayne. I'm assuming that you're above forty years old, so I'm gonna say the Wayne of today. What would you tell yourself? Uh, knowing what you know today at 20? Uh, life gets better as you get older, I think. Uh, I've got grandsons now, and I'm starting home with my son-in-law. Don't forget your granddaughter. And my, I've got a granddaughter, too. And just, you know, we were out with my one grandson, and we were teaching him how to shoot and stuff the other day. And it was just thinking back to the people who did that for me. You know, it was right. just really right. important. Assuming you're around 30 years old, what would the 30-year-old <laughs> today Tell the 20-year-old, knowing what you know today. Don't take things so seriously, you know. It, tomorrow's a new day. You can, you can always start over. Very good. Very good. Uh, question number five. Uh, you're at a hunting event, a convention. You're walking through a lobby or at the hotel at the hunting convention. You're walking through the lobby, and somebody says, Hey, what, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that? I guess probably a tool and die maker, inventor, uh, husband and grandfather, dad. That's all. Very good. Guess who I am. I guess I'd say I'm a businesswoman and Very good. wife, mother. Very good. Question six. One of my favorites because it's always interesting. Wayne, what would you have for breakfast this morning? I had eggs, <laughs> ham, uh, sawmill gravy on biscuits. Mm. I'm eating with him tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good. I, I don't I'm following starve, you. No. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have? Pretty much the same thing, Very except good. I didn't do the sawmill gravy. <laughs> Very good. So. All right. What is sawmill gravy, by the way? It's got the sausage chunks and stuff okay. in it. All right. Yep. I think. Sure. He doesn't cook much. <laughs> I'm just on the eating end. Right on, right on. You get a blank canvas, a billboard. It's a blank canvas. It's on the side of a major interstate in PA. What would you put on that blank canvas of a billboard? Be a saying, a phrase, anything of uh, interest. Be kind to one another. Very good. Same answer for both? Yeah, I guess. Okay, yeah, that's, very that's good. That's a tough one. Oh. Very good. Yeah, you could have a true seam wingman on it, I guess. Very good. <laughs> Very good. If I say the work's successful, who's the first person that pops in your mind and why? Well, we were at this morning at the CEO banquet, and I just was sitting there thinking of, you know, everyone talking. And 
I would have to say he had a pretty pretty rich life, you know, and what he had done and what he brought to the ATA. Uh, I was real impressed with that. Mm-hmm. That would be a good. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite people that if I could sit down with somebody would be Norman Vincent Peale. Okay. Power of positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yep. Okay. Very good. What's a typical day in your life look like? Uh, Sunday's church. Any other day, it's work. So Very good. We'll take that. We need a little more detail, but we'll take that. Some days, it's work after church. Um, For me, let the dog in, let the dog out. Feed the horses. Do the, you know, wingman stuff. Gotcha. Let the dog in, let the dog out. Very good. The horses got to eat twice a day. The horses eat more than twice a day when it's cold. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. They're my babies typical hunting day in your life uh get up at four get ready go out get in the stand no don't get out till it's dark i'm there all day unless i happen to get something do you pack a sandwich no usually not no kidding i'm all focused on hunting and like she says i never shoot anything till the last week so very good so i'm there okay that's why we we don't hunt much together anymore. I didn't know about the not eating and sitting all day long. I mean, I know you have to sit still, but I just this man could sit through a hurricane. Right. You know. I'm I'm pretty solid out there, but I got a radio flyer wagon and I drag all my snacks out there with me. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with the wingman, I just lower myself down and get right, a snack. You got the little bag. Up. You can you know pack all your snacks. There in you the bag. You right. can hook them up on the bottom. Loop. Yeah, very well, good. There that, you go. Uh, that wraps up ten rapid fire questions. Very good answer very on good. that. And. Uh, Guys, where can we find more information about the wingman if we haven't covered it here today? You can find our website at www.treestandwingman.com. We're on Facebook. We have Black Ash Outdoor Products has a page. And we have a YouTube channel, Tree Stand Wingman. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And thank you for supporting our show. And I think we're going to be able to push this product out quite far and and get more exposure for you. Where, Where do you want to take the company from here? I want to see everybody that climbs a tree using a tree stand wingman. I don't want to hear these stories anymore. Yeah. It's it's really sad. It's really hard to listen to the stories of parents who've lost their kids, of dads who've, you know, kids who've lost their dads. You know, we found my dad laying at the bottom of the tree. It's awful to listen to that. I mean, if you have any empathy in your body at all, it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And... If you're going to climb, use a wingman. Right. Because you can always get down and you'll live to hunt another day. You it's know? A, it's a great birthday present, Christmas present, Father's Easter Day, present, Mother's what, Day. Anything. Yes. It's a yes. great present yes, for the hunter is. in your life. It is. So. And, and, you know, I had a really big push this year at Christmas of people telling me I'm buying this for my son, daughter, mm-hmm. whoever. You know, I want them to have it. So, and there's people that don't hunt that can see the value in this yeah, for their there are other for their loved ones right. that that use it, yep. you know. Yep, very much. Very so. good. Awesome. Guys, thanks for stopping by. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. I appreciate Wayne and Shauna sitting down with us for a little while and, and going through the steps that they went through to develop the prototype and then the final product and and bringing a very needed product to market. And Again, we, we, we don't always feature a particular product on the show. In fact, usually we don't. But in this case, because it's such a different device, and different meaning that it covers so much ground, there have been other devices like it that have tried. But this one is lightweight. It's incredibly well-built. It's not going to inhibit your hunt in any way. And 
will most likely save your life if you do fall. How can we ignore that? How can we ignore trying to save a life or two of our brother and hunters and, and telling you more about this product and, and really exposing everybody that listens to this show to Wayne and Shauna to show A, that they're great people and that they're really filling a void here for a desperately needed device that will slowly descend you to the ground amongst everything else that it does. So I, just the, in the cost, the cost is worth every, every cent. It's not that much money right around a hundred bucks. I don't know how you go wrong. So we're looking forward to working more with Wayne and Shauna and seeing where this product develops. And I certainly hope everybody that's listening to the show goes out and gets one. Dusty, do we have a chubby tines tip of the week? Yeah. And I want to refer to a few questions I've had over the last few weeks of whether or not to leave your tree stand out in the woods or not. The chubby tines tip of the week is sponsored by Morse's sporting goods, firearms, use firearms, bows, use bows, Located at 85 Kentuckuk Falls Road in Hillsborough, New Hampshire. Give Jim a call at 603-464-3444, morsessportinggoods.com. Your dollars go further in New Hampshire. There's no sales tax. Morse's Sporting Goods. Uh, personal preference on my end, I take everything down, bring it in. Uh, not not only, um, you know, it gives you the option next year to reset a set that maybe you need to make some adjustments to. If you just left it hang there, you'd probably just climb back up and, and hunt the same stand. But, uh, you know, not only that aspect of it, but as far as weather and the sun and the rain and the snow and the conditions and, you know, the mother nature will tear a stand up faster than anything. So a safety aspect comes into play when you leave your stands and leave them hanging in the tree or the ladder stand or a climber, whatever you, you got out there. Even your ground blinds, it just the weather tears them up, and you know that that stuff all costs money, and uh, it's that time of year to get your stands down and and bring them in and store them in a dry place. Uh, even if you can just throw them up in the rafters of your garage or wherever you can you can uh, make the effort to put them up and and keep them nice, and then you're not going out and then you know having a cable that's rusted out break on you on a hang on stand, or you get to climbing and the, the ladder sticks uh, one of the one of the steps break off and you skin your leg all up and you fall and just go out and get your stands down bring them in and then you know some people's got a lot of stands and i understand that i've got quite a few myself but i try to make room for them in a dry dry storage area and get them out of the weather that that's rough on them and, and it's uh you know definitely a safety factor so get them stands down gotcha uh great great tip and something i often overlook but yeah it's i'm, I'm with you i need to get out there and go grab my stuff very good. Very, very good. So, Dusty, where can we find you when you're not hanging out here in the studios with me? Uh, shoot me an email, Dusty at BigBuckRegistry.com. You can look me up on Instagram and Twitter at ChasingAntler, Facebook.com forward slash Chubby Tines Outdoors. Jay, where can the people reach out to you when you're not on the mic? Likewise, you can shoot me an email, Jay at BigBuckRegistry.com, and you can visit us on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash BigBuckRegistry. We're also on Twitter, which is Twitter.com forward slash BigBuckRegistry. We're also on Instagram, Instagram.com forward slash BigBuckRegistry, and YouTube, which is YouTube.com forward slash BigBuckRegistry. On YouTube, you can listen to all of our podcasts in their entirety. As far as videos are concerned, it's a boring video, but the audio content is there, so you can actually listen to our podcast. You can also listen to all of our live shows that we've done on Thursday nights when we do do them, and we've gone back and interviewed, re-interviewed a lot of our previous guests we had on the show just to put a face to a voice, let's put it that way. You can always listen to our show on other places as well, not just YouTube. We're found on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, 
Stitcher, and Blueberry. And if you would like to submit a buck to our page for consideration and be featured on our page in front of 250,000 diehard deer hunting fans, all you have to do is go to bigbuckredstreet.com forward slash mybuck and all of the instructions will be right there. That's pretty much everywhere we're at. I think that's a wrap, Dusty. That's a whole lot of big buck, Jay. Sure is. I'm Jay Scott. I'm Dusty Phillips. And this is the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. We'll see you next week. Okay.